turning us off last week. I'm going to continue on this week in, in segment two. But those things happen. And when they do, are you the lesson will be about living a worshipful life. Living a worshipful life. We're going to look at some different areas, especially focusing in on five habits that I think we all need. In order to live that kind careful, of worshipful life can blow us uh, that God is looking for us to live every time. And so this morning we're going to kind of jump around a lot in the Bible. Uh, we'll be most in Acts come, chapter 16. So it's if you got a Bible, their life turn is there. empty. Uh, please do. Uh, we'll be in Void Acts 16 of what God for a little wants bit. To fill us up with. Before we get and into so the story, because I love telling stories when I preach, some things, some habits that we can do before we do that. In order to make sure that we're living the kind of life of life comes, some people are able to stand God wants us to, so we can stand firm. When we stand firm using God's power, have you ever noticed people that when the storms of life come? Sometimes people, and that's some sort people of a secondary thought that I want us to think about them. this morning is that some when the storms of life come and when some uh, people are amazed me to away. stand around and, and, and as much as I've grown people up in notice. church and as much as when I've the storms of been life involved come in and church, just uh, everything has hit the fan and it stories is all of people over who you. have stood firm and you are things that I know I would have crumbled in and believe in what God has promised you. Uh, and then there are still people that I thought were so strong in their faith and so people strong in what both. they believed and in. And so when God people know that you're a Christian, when people know that you go to church and you claim the power of Christ in your life and you claim that God has always been amazing to me and that everything is wonderful and great in Him and then something And I want to sort of throw out some examples of what I'm talking about. So like, or that unexpected call from the hospital takes you and crumbles you to your knees. People notice. And so we want to talk about this morning a couple of men from the New Testament that knew exactly what that meant. So if you haven't done so yet, please turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to talk about a couple of guys named Paul and Silas. Two greats in the New Testament. This is one of my favorite stories from the Bible uh, because uh, it's just so uh, counter to everything that I think I would do. And so I think that's why I love to hold on to it and, and remind myself of it frequently. Um, follow with me here in verse 19. It's also on the front of your bulletin if you don't have a Bible this morning. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of the, these Jews, they shouted. They are teaching the people to do things that are against Roman customs. Now, I want to just add, I just want to ask you a quick question. Uh, do you know what it was that Paul and Silas were doing that was against Roman customs? Anyone? Preaching, maybe. Maybe. I think the truth of the matter is they weren't doing anything that was against Roman customs. They were just out to get them because <laughs> they didn't like them. They were causing up a, a stir. They were, causing, they were, they were uh, gathering people together in large groups, and that scared some people. <laughs> you see, the Romans were very powerful people, and they controlled a large portion of the known world at this time. And if there were little uprisings in certain areas, the Romans were quick to squelch it because they were afraid that they might lose their power. And so when Paul and Silas got together with the other Christians in that day and they began meeting in houses and meeting with groups and teaching and preaching about this Jesus person who had just died uh, not too long ago, people started to get worried because they thought they might lose their power. But they weren't technically doing anything wrong. And so it's interesting that they pull them together in front of the marketplace, in front of the authorities and say, 
These people are doing things that are against Roman customs. Because I think they were just looking to get them. Follow along with me, verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so he took no chances, but put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. When was the last time that you were sharing with somebody the, the powerful things that God has done in your life, and then they took you before, the, uh, before TPD, took you downtown, beat you, tied you up, stuck you in an inner dungeon? <laughs> Anybody been in an inner dungeon lately? I haven't. Um, I can't imagine that it'd be good though. <laughs> but when was the last time? Think about it. Think about the last time that you witnessed to somebody or that you told somebody about the, the love of Jesus or that you shared a story about how, how God had done something powerful in your life. What happened to you? Probably one of two things. One, the person was like, wow, that was really cool. I would really love to know more. Or two, and more likely, they probably just blew you off. <laughs> But I don't remember the last time that I shared anything that Jesus had done in my life that I was severely beaten and then thrown in an inner dungeon. <laughs> it seems a little drastic. And yet, here were two men. One, uh, who <laughs> at first wasn't even really into this whole Christian thing. Paul, as, as many of us know, Paul was one of the guys who was looking for these Christians. <laughs> he was looking for these Christians to to do this very thing, to beat them and to, to, to kill them because he was worried that the Jews were going to lose their power. And so it's interesting that Paul, now that we see him after he's had his life-changing experience, he's receiving beatings for what, for what he's teaching. He did a complete 180. And with his partner Silas together uh, thrown in this dungeon for simply preaching about what God had done in their lives. And I think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting. And here we go to the next part of the story. Read along with me in verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Now, I don't know about you. But I know if it were me. And I, if, I, if I were to put myself in Paul and Silas's sandals for just a moment. And think... It, you know, if I was preaching and I had been beaten and I had been thrown in an inner dungeon with my feet clamped in stocks, the first thing that I would do is probably not start singing hymns. I would probably be crying for mom. Right? I can honestly say that I don't think, uh, and I don't cry for my mom a lot, so it would probably be really bad. <laughs> um, but I don't think my first initial thought would not be, you know what we ought to do? <laughs> I just don't think that my mind would automatically go to, yeah, let's sing some hymns. <laughs> that sounds exciting. Probably ask for a band-aid more than anything else. And yet here Paul and Silas were, after they'd received this major beating, they'd been thrown in this inner dungeon, not just the regular dungeon, the inner dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Not even like the, the little, the one that has a window. No, it's the inner dungeon. <laughs> And here, the first thing that Paul and Silas do when they've been beaten, thrown into the inner dungeon, they've been locked away, their immediate thought is, you know what we ought to do? Is we ought to be praising God. And people noticed. 
and people noticed. Continue with me, verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. How appropriate uh, is this verse in light of what's happened recently in our world? For for people to, to be singing praises and hymns to God, and then an earthquake occur, and everything changed in a moment. You see, Paul and Silas didn't have any time to plan out what they were going to do. You know what we ought to do today, Silas. <laughs> Why don't we start preaching? Yeah, there's going to be this beating thing, I know. We'll just get through it, right? But when they throw us in the inner dungeon, why don't we start singing? It's going to freak people out. I don't think they had time to plan it. I don't think they had time to sit around and say, you know what, we're going to, here's today's agenda. I don't think they had time. I think they were doing what they were called to do, and that was preaching the message of God to the people who desperately needed to hear it. And in the moment when they were persecuted for what they were doing, they decided to let God take over, and they began singing hymns, and people noticed. And everything around them changed in that moment. The great earthquake, the doors flew open, every chain of every prisoner fell off. Now, if you were a prisoner in this prison, not associated with Paul and Silas, what would your first inclination be when your chains fell off? <laughs> You're out of there, man. <laughs> I don't know what this singing in the earthquake business is about, but I'm out of here. <laughs> Probably would have been mine too. And yet, people were so amazed at what had just happened. They hear singing, a giant earthquake happens, their chains fall off, and yet nobody leaves. Because people noticed what Paul and Silas had been doing. Continue on with me, verse 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Now, this is an interesting verse, and I, I always uh, thought it was a weird verse. The prisoners escaped. Well, why is the guard going to kill himself? Why does he go chase them? <laughs> An interesting thing is that when a Roman guard was guarding a prison, if the prisoners were to escape, it's his life that the Romans take. They're not worried about the prisoners. They'll get more. <laughs> They're worried about the guard who let them go. And so in order for this guard to not be killed by somebody else, he decides that he is going, the best thing for him to do when he thinks that everybody has left, when he thinks that he has failed at his job, he thinks the best thing for him to do is just end his own life instead of having somebody else take it. And yet from the darkness, from, from inside of the cells, a voice calls out to him and says, wait, stop, we're still here. We haven't left. The chains fell off. We know there was an earthquake, but we're still here. Don't kill yourself. And I am undoubtedly believe that the guard heard them singing songs right before he maybe dozed off. <laughs> I'm curious why the earthquake didn't wake him, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. But at any rate, when he... When he looks up and he thinks that everybody is gone, he gets ready to kill himself, and yet a voice calls out and says, Don't do it. We're still here. Trembling with fear, verse 29, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down before Paul and Silas. 
You see, Paul and Silas, in the moment, made a decision to let God take over from what they were doing in their own circumstances. They had been beaten, thrown into the inner dungeon with no window, and they decided to sing. And people noticed. And when the guard found out that the people were still there, he didn't need to take his own life. He fell down at Paul and Silas' feet. And I love the last part of the story. Read with me verse 30. He brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He immediately knew what Paul and Silas were about. Immediately knew what Paul and Silas were all about. It wasn't a matter of, uh, you know, how amazingly powerful Paul and Silas were. He knew undoubtedly what Paul and Silas had been put in prison for. I don't know whether he agreed with it or not, and that's not the point. The point is he knew in that moment that Paul and Silas were experiencing an amazing power through God's Spirit, and he wanted a piece of it. Because in everybody's mind, the right thing for those prisoners to do was run, and yet they stayed because they, were, they wanted to see what Paul and Silas were going to do next. And so the guard fell at their feet, and he said, what must I do to be saved? Now again, if I were to put myself in his sandals, I don't even know if that would have been the first thing that I would have said. I probably would have wet my loincloth. I just don't know. I don't know. And yet here he was, understanding that Paul and Silas were about something bigger than themselves, and he fell at their feet and he said, what must I do to get a piece of what you have? And so they instruct him to believe in the Lord Jesus. Verse 31, you will be saved along with your entire household. They shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his house. That same hour the jailer washed their wounds and he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. You see, in the moment where they were most desperate, in the moment where they should have done anything but worship God, they decided that they were going to let God's Spirit work through them and people noticed. And lives were saved that day because they made the decision to worship in the moment. It's a hard thing to do, I think. It's a hard thing for us to think about the, the tragedies that happen in life. It's hard for us to think, well, if, if this were to happen, what would I do? But if we are living a worshipful, a worshipful life, if we are living the kind of life that God desires of us, the kind of life that is full of His Spirit, then it should be easy for us to, in the moments when life is hardest, to worship Him. And yet a lot of the times, I think we let the troubles of the world overcome us. And we forget the power that God can bring through us. So today we want to look at five habits. Inside your bulletin you'll see a list of these as we go through them. That we, if we put into practice, it should bring us that kind of full life that we so often crave. The first habit that we want to look at this morning is regular daily devotions. Regular daily devotions. Joshua 1.8 says, Study this book of law, which just means the Bible continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. 
powerful words. Read the Bible. Only then will you succeed. <laughs> Isn't it so interesting how God puts it in plain black and white for us? <laughs> without the instruction book, without my word, you're not going to make it. <laughs> and so it's important for us to make a point, make a habit of daily devotions. Are you spending time in God's Word daily? Throughout this lesson, as I was preparing for it, I I noticed myself, uh, in myself, a lot of things that I'm not doing well. (laughs) This is probably one of the ones that I struggle with the most. Daily, daily devotions. Uh, as, As a kid growing up, I never put into practice making it a habit of daily devotions. And so it gets harder and harder and harder as you become an adult. I found out to make that happen (laughs) because life happens around you. And so it's important for us to find somebody to keep us accountable to say, hey, are are you doing your daily Bible reading? Even if it's as simple as just opening up and reading a a small scripture once a day. My dad always told me when I was growing up, if you just read the book of Proverbs, there's 31 of them. There's one that you can read every day for a month. (laughs) And it's true. There's 31 Proverbs. So even if you just read one proverb a day, you're on the right track. (laughs) And there are so many tools that we can use. Uh, Read the Bible in a year programs. Daily Bible readings that you can get from the internet or on your phone. (laughs) And so it's important for us to open up God's Word, read His instruction for us on a daily basis. And so down below each one, you'll see a, a my rating, one and then a lot of dashes and a 10. So on this first one, daily Bible reading, what I want you to do so we have a visual for yourself is that I want you to rate yourself somewhere on your daily Bible reading. If you're already putting it into practice, you've already cracked it open once a day, you don't have to blow the dust off of it every time you pick it up. When, if you are reading your Bible daily and you feel that you're got, you've got a good handle on it, go ahead and circle the 10. If maybe you're somewhere in the middle, maybe you do it a couple of times a week. Go ahead and put yourself somewhere in the middle. Or if it's something that you need to work on and you know that this is something, an area of your life where you can do some improvement, maybe go for a one. The point of this one, though, is that we want to aim for seven and hit five. Aim for seven and hit five. Try seven days a week to read the Bible. But if you can do it five, you're on the right track. Aim for seven, hit five. Because if you can do five days a week, six and seven shouldn't be too bad. So here in the rating, circle somewhere in that rating line of where you feel that you could, that you sit. 10 being, man, I, I do it every day. I try to do it every day. Five, yeah, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I kind of do it. I, I, do, I feel like I do it a lot. Maybe not enough. And one, man, I could really use some improvement here. The second habit that we want to look at this morning is faithful Sunday worship attendance. Faithful Sunday worship attendance. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, You should not stay away from the church meetings as some are in the habit of doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. And a lot of people say, um, 
Well, I don't need to go to church. Church isn't that big of a deal. I can be a Christian and not go to church. That's probably true. It's so funny. I, I, I was... Um, I invited a few people that I work with to come out this morning and, and, uh, and join us this morning. Some, some uh, agreed. <laughs> um, some didn't, and that's okay. Uh, one guy that I'm... that uh, Actually, Tim and I both are working on. <laughs> uh, he gave me a quote from, from an old comedian that said, uh, going to church no more makes you a Christian than being in your garage makes you a car. It's true. It's probably true. And yet there's something about meeting together on a weekly basis with a group of fellow Christians that just helps encourage you, that helps bring you together with other people that you know that you can struggle with, that you know you can love with, that you know can be there for you and you can be for them. There's just something about it. And so have you made it a point to be at church? We, of course, uh, want you to be a part of our church on a regular basis because we, we just love everybody. <laughs> Try to. But if you find a church that you're comfortable with, that you can be involved in, that you can, that you can be fed at, we want, that's what God desires of us, to be in a community of fellow Christians. And that's what Sunday worship is all about, the community. People were never meant to be alone, and I think that's the reason that church got started in the first place. That communities of Christians grew together. It's because we crave that community. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were no strangers to community meetings. They met in people's houses daily to, to feed each other and to encourage one another and to love one another. And so as an early church, as an example, may we also de develop that community. And so again, rating yourself uh, 1 to 10 in some area down there because it didn't look like it made it on there. Are you, are you comfortable saying, yeah, I'm a 10, I'm here every Sunday. I, I'm, uh, if I can't be, it's because I'm deathly ill. <laughs> maybe you're a 10 or maybe you're, you're uh, uh, an every other Sunday Christian, which is fine. <laughs> You'll be right in the middle. Or maybe this is something that you've struggled with in your life to just make that a habit. Maybe that was never a part of your family life of getting at church every single week. Maybe this is something that you can say, yeah, this is something I need to work on. Making a change for my family, saying that my family is going to be in church. Rate yourself accordingly there. The third habit that we want to look at this morning is active growth group participation, otherwise known as small groups. Because where community of a church and Sunday morning worship is really great, the real meat of where you get your encouragement and love is from a small group. If you've not been a part of a small group ever in your life, you may not know exactly what that means, but if you have, you definitely do. We have several to offer here. There's two adult Bible studies at 9.30 that meet on Sunday mornings here. There's a Master Life class and a Sunday, worship, a Sunday night uh, small group. Uh, there are small groups that we have to offer here in this church that you can be a part of, that you can get connected with, that you can start feeling the, the love and encouragement from a small group of Christians. Because where a, great, a large group is, is great to worship together, a small group is intimate 
and powerful. When a small group of five or six or ten gets together and prays for each other, there is nothing greater and nothing more powerful in my opinion. And so where are you in small group participation? Acts 5, 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that is Jesus Christ. Early church, we're no strangers to small groups meeting in houses. So where do you rate in your small group participation? Are you meeting in several small groups? Or do you have one that you are connected to? If so, rate yourself around a 10. If you've been one and you haven't been in a long time, maybe you're, maybe you just were trying to find the right one and haven't found it yet. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Or if you've never been connected to a small group and you, and you think, man, this is something that I could really use in my life right now, a small group of Christians that I know would encourage me. Maybe rate yourself somewhere on that line lower on the end so that you can know that you can find something for you. The fourth habit that we want to look at is consistent sacrificial giving. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. We could go into a whole sermon about tithing, but really what we want to look at this morning as far as sacrificial giving is, are you giving what God has called you to give? Maybe it's a tenth. Maybe it's... 5%, maybe it's 8%, whatever it is for you, do you feel that you are being led to give sacrificially? One of my favorite Christian songs on the radio right now talks about uh, how he throws a 20 in the plate, but he never gives till it hurts. <laughs> and I think all too often that's myself. I'm always quick to throw in a little cash here and there, but I never give when I don't have any money in my bank account. Or I never give if I don't have any savings made. <laughs> I got to eat. Do I? <laughs> and so where would you rate yourself in this habit? Would you say every single week I'm giving, even if I'm not in my home church, I'm giving to a church or I'm giving to some organization. I'm giving sacrificially. I'm be, I believe that I'm doing what God has called me to do for my finances. Rate yourself accordingly there. Or maybe this is an area where you could use some encouragement like myself to give to that point where you think you just don't have it. <laughs> and this is where you could use some work. Rate yourself there. The fifth and final habit we want to look at this morning is prayerful, prayerful and sincere witnessing. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What a powerful verse that is. For us to understand that when we go out and in God's name talk about the powerful things that He has done in our life, He says it right here in black and white, I have empowered you with my spirit to do so. Are we holding on to that? All too often I forget. Are you letting God's spirit flow through you as you speak to other people around you? Even if it isn't about what God has done in your life, are you letting God take over your heart in the conversations that you have on a daily basis? Because if we were and if we are, even in the moments that we don't notice, people will see what we're about. 
And so are you letting God's spirit flow through you in your daily conversations, in the time that it takes you to talk to people at work or with you that are at school or wherever you are in your day, are you letting God's spirit flow through you? So rate yourself accordingly on this fifth habit too. That you feel that every single chance you get, you're letting God speak through you. Rate yourself at a 10. Or if you think, yeah, you know what? I I do that a lot. I probably don't do it enough though. Maybe somewhere in the middle. Or if if you're maybe someone that says, you know what? I really do need a lot of encouragement in this area. I need somebody to maybe coach me on what I can do better or, or how I can latch on to God's power a little more in my life. Maybe somewhere down on the lower end. Rate yourself there. Paul and Silas were living their lives so full that even when the chips are down, when they could have been at their worst, they let their faith take over and it was clear to everyone around them that God was in control of their lives. This morning, are you at the point where you can say that you are like that? Are you at the point in your heart and in your life where you could say, yeah, when the chips are down, I know I'm going to stand firm. When I get that unexpected call, or when I have fought with my spouse, or when I have been cheated at work, or any other situation, I know that God is going to, I'm going to stand firm on what He's promised me. Or does that one little thing that one tiny thing that may seem so insignificant down the road just blow your life off course? Have you committed to make God's power flow through you that it's obvious in everything you do? And I don't want us to forget that it's not possible for us to plan out the moments of our day. <laughs> we don't wake up and roll out of bed and say, well, this is what I'm going to do today. When this hits the fan, I'm going to sing. <laughs> it doesn't always work like that. Things will blindside us, take us by surprise, creep up on us, and otherwise knock us to our knees. But it's in those moments that our habits will rise to the surface. Will those around us, when the chips fall, fall, know that we're living a life full of God's spirit and power? Or will they see us blown away by the slightest breeze? Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for the spirit that you've given us. Father, for the life that we can live through you and your power. Father, as we hold on to the habits that we have in our lives, will you flow through us? Will your spirit overtake our hearts so that we can, when the chips fall, stand firm in your power? Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you do. We ask that you would continue to guide us and be with us. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.